the best and the worst of 90s teen horror. I'm Kirsty Logan and with me is my co-host Heather Parry. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you? <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited because today we're revisiting 1993's The Perfume by Caroline B. Cooney. Can you give us the tagline, Kirsty, of this book? It is... Uh, here we go. <laughs> the sweet smell of evil. Um, and actually, I want to read the first line, because I think it's a fucking killer. The perfume was advertised once, and only once. It was enough. Venom. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> so tell me about this cover. <laughs> I'm... How good is this cover? This cover is... Phenomenal. As you might have guessed, this book is about some perfume. Yeah. Um, called Venom. Venom. <laughs> Venom. And it smells like evil. And as we're told, um, it comes in a bottle which is very much in the shape of a snake. Mm-hmm. So how is this rendered to us on the cover? Quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is a perfume bottle in the shape of a snake. And the stopper goes into the snake's mouth. And I think the colour palette is cool. So the colour palette is mostly kind of greens and blacks in the background. But then the bottle is kind of blue and pink. And I just think it looks great. Yeah. Is that a crystal on top of that mouth stopper thing? I would say it is. Is that a diamond? Mm. This is a person who will never own any diamonds. Mm. I am not entirely (laughs) sure. I think it looks great, though. I it, really like this cover. It's very evocative, I would say. The whole thing is great. And as we will come to learn, Caroline B. Cooney is not afraid of the batshit crazy. She leans way in. Yes. She holds nothing back. Do you think she's a she or is she a conglomerate? I mean, she has an internet presence. Oh, does she? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think she's real. Hmm. I would be almost certain that she's real. And also, I feel like these aren't conglomerate books. These aren't paint-by-numbers books. No. Like, this is the type of book that can only come from one person's mind. I think you're thinking, in contrast to R.L. Stein. would you say so? Which, like, yeah. Anyone could do a kind of R.L. Stein style book because they're written to very much the same formula all the time. Whereas I feel like Caroline B. Cooney's books, they're really bonkers in the best possible way. Yes. It is like looking into someone's brain completely uncensored and they're really heavily themed (laughs) very thematically constant and I don't think you get that from writing a sort of paint by numbers kind of horror book yeah I think they're more literary than the average point horror by which I don't necessarily mean that they're good Good. or well written (laughs) I mean like they attempt literary techniques yes you know they're they have theme and they have imagery and things like that. So I'm not saying they necessarily are works of incredible literature, but they attempt 
something higher than most point horrors do. Yes. I'd actually love to hear from our listeners on our social media channels to see who their favourite point horror author Ooh. is. Because I think mine might be Caroline B. Cooney so far. I think so as well. I've got to say, like, most of these point horrors, because obviously we've been rereading them for the podcast, and a lot of them, like... I forget them almost instantly, which yeah. I think as a kid was like part of the fun of them because you could read them over and over. And then just plow into the next one. Yeah, and then by the time you've rolled around again to the first, eh, you've forgotten it anyway. Whereas I feel like hers are a lot more vivid in my memory. And when we first started talking about this podcast on social media, quite a lot of people did mention <laughs> this one and were like, oh my God, are you doing the perfume? I love that book. I mean, I remember loving it as a kid. It was one of my favourites when I was younger. See, I don't think I ever read this one. Oh. Which is why I enjoyed it so much this time. Well, let's get into it. Let's what is get the into perfume it. About? Well, it's about perfume, but... Well, this book is about the fantastically named Dove Daniel. Now, in the pantheon of amazingly named point horror <laughs> characters, I think this comes close to the top. I actually really love the name Dove Daniel. Are you going to name your future children... Dove and Daniel. I <laughs> don't know if I could go that far. Dove. It's a very bold choice. I mean, they get worse. They do get worse. <laughs> that is very true. Like, Dove looks quite sensible compared to what comes in the book. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dove Daniel. Dove Daniel is a shy, quiet, and very gentle girl. We're told this. She's very gentle and affectionate. She wears a lot of pastel. She wears... <sighs> white and sort of soft colours, doesn't she? I actually wrote down this description of Dove, so here we go. Dove was a gentle girl who dressed like her gentle name. Soft cottons, soft colours. Folds of pale grey with white lace collars. Her voice was melodious and her friendships were affectionate. I mean, get a grip. Melodious voice as well. You were singing like an idiot. Hmm. So I was a bit like, oh, I don't know about this. But she is... Nice, in a in, in a, the worst in the, possible yeah, the way, blandest <laughs> possible way. Uh, she has friends called Connie and Luce, and now we're told that Luce uh, doesn't like her real name, which is Lucinda. Mm. So she's cho- shortened it to Luce. I think Lucinda's better. I mean, because Luce looks fine written down, but out loud it's like L O O S E. Yeah, you're pretty loose, which is weird. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, my friend teaches English in Hong Kong and uh, he had a girl in his class called Easy. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Uh, because um, it was like if me and you decided we were going to give our child a Chinese name, we oh. would just pick one that sounded good because we wouldn't really understand the meaning of the word. I see. Yeah. It is a nice sounding word. Easy. There's also a kid called Rock. Wow. Which I guess is like Rock Hudson. That's true. That's been a real person's name. The Rock. (laughs) Yeah, well that's not his name. His name's Dwayne. Which I mean. First name. Would you rather be Dwayne or Rock? Or the. (laughs) Yeah, the. The Dwayne Rock Johnson. That's how I think of him. (laughs) If you could be called Dwayne Rock or the, what would you have? Oh. God, that's a tough choice. I mean, not Dwayne, obviously, but Rock or the. The? That would be quite cool. I like the idea of being the Heather Parry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You'd just be the Parry. The Parry. Oh, no. My brother wouldn't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Parry. Anyway, so Dove's a bit 
bland. Bit bland, bit nothingy, but nice enough, you know. Out of the three of them, she's the sort of softest, gentlest sort of character. Yeah. However, she's not an absolute cow. Like no. Most of the others are. Anyway. And she's not an idiot mm-hmm. thus far. Um, and we might see throughout. Mm. Um, so Dove, Connie, and Luce see an advert for a new perfume. Perfume. Sorry. Called for a new perfume called Venom. <laughs> Which I think there probably is one called Venom now. Yeah, probably. Probably called Poison, Ass, Vagina oh. Face, all the things. <laughs> I, feel, I don't know a lot about perfume and I feel like all the names are taken. Would you buy Vagina Face perfume? Why the hell not? Why not? <laughs> Venom is being sold at a trendy store called Dry Ice. Oh now, God. would you buy anything from a store called Dry Ice? Well, can we talk more about Dry Ice? Because I have to actually talk about <laughs> this shop and how it's described in the book. So I'm going to read from the book. So here we go. Here's the description of the shop Dry Ice. Dry Ice carried the trendiest clothes, the funkiest costume jewellery, the craziest colours and the sickest t-shirt slogans. Bins of solid carbon dioxide, safely hidden from customers' exploring fingers, wafted clouds of vapour into the air. Through mist you entered the shop, and once inside, you could not see back out. You shopped in fog. When you left, your hair sparkled like morning dew, and your skin felt damp and mouldy. Mouldy? Mouldy. (laughs) I mean, I feel like, probably in the 90s, there was a shop that had dry ice in it. Probably. I will say the terms trendy and funky immediately date you to being middle-aged. Mm, yeah. Although, I would still say that something is sick, which probably dates me similarly. Are 12? Yeah, I would say, oh man, that was sick. No. Mm. I just feel like the sickest t-shirt slogans to me would be something that's like so offensive that you'd be like, oh, that's sick. Oh, you mean sickest? That's I mean, how I like, interpret it. illist. Like, you know... Mm. As if I am a 12-year-old <laughs> skater boy from the States. Um, also, I don't like the idea That's that... That's what you look like. It is. I know. I've tried. I I've see tried. it. I see it. Oh, I can't even skateboard. <laughs> I also don't like the idea... You know when you're in a club sometimes and they use loads of dry ice and it's excessive? Yeah. And you're like, why are you doing this to me? Why would you go into a shop? Sometimes it's just nicer to not see things. <laughs> What are you buying? <laughs> God. Well, I meant like more in a club. Oh, yeah. Sometimes no, you're like, yeah, I don't need to, like, you know when the lights come up at the end and you're like, oh, oh please no, please no. Yes. Give me my sunglasses. Yeah. Um. Anyway, they love dry ice because it is the trendiest place in the mall. The sickest. The sickest, the illest. Um, <laughs> so they go and seek out Venom, which is only being sold here. And... Dove isn't really into the idea that much, but when they get to the store and smell the perfume, no one really likes the smell of it, but she is drawn to it somehow. Despite the fact that it's... We're told that it's not a smell that you would want to smell like. I mean, it's described as being, like, a bit corpsey, Like, a bit, like, a dead thing. I feel like there's no a bit corpsey. There's (laughs) not at all corpsey or corpsey. Hint of corpse. Mm, Hint of corpse. That's my new perfume. (laughs) Hinto corpse. <laughs> Hinto cadaver. <laughs> it's not a halfway thing, you know? No, I hear you. Yeah. But something about it appeals to Dove. And when we see her and her friends outside getting into the car, it's Dove Daniel that has bought the Venom. Mm. Now, 
here is where Dove becomes a little bit more interesting. Uh, Dove has smelled the venom in the store, and she's already a little bit confused, isn't she? So when mm. her friends try and drop her off, she can't really decide where she lives. She can't really remember which flat is hers, and they live in kind of a, a faceless, new-build block of very expensive, as I understand it, flats. Mm-hmm. But she can't really remember what her flat number is or where she is. Yeah. I mean, I did think the description of that was actually quite good. Like yes. when the houses are described as being like sheets of paper and, you know, those kind of new build estates, that's what they're like. Yes. They're just like sheets of paper and they all look the same. I mean, when she can't find where she lives, I did feel a bit like, Dove, you need to chill the fuck out. <laughs> I, in fact, made a list, which is almost my entire notes on this book, are occasions where Dove needs to chill the fuck out. So, for example, I've made a list of things that Dove hates or is scared of. Here's the list. The colour black. Car parks. Things that match. Blocks of flats. Seasons. Bright colours. Raisins. Onions. A three-way makeup mirror. A towel. And the game Hangman. Here is what... (laughs) Yes, I I could delve further into that. Here we go. This is what she says about the colour black. Black made Dove's heart shrink as if her heart were losing weight and would become fragile and no longer pump blood. Wow. Here we go. She's really, really afraid of car parks. They're like cemeteries. Quote, Empty spaces were white rectangles waiting for metal coffins. <laughs> they're, even, they're even worse when they're full. Uh, here's what a full parking lot is. Quote, Doom. <laughs> the, <laughs> wait, no, no, wait, wait. <laughs> a full parking lot. Doom. The end of the world. <laughs> I mean, Dove, like, I was a dramatic teenager, but come on. Seasons? Yeah, seasons she's afraid of as well. Um, All of them? Yeah, apparently. With the way they change. The concept the, of changing. The changing of the seasons really frightens her. Also, um, my favourite was, um, so, raisins. She's afraid of raisins. She sees a bowl of them and says, if I eat this, my stomach will be full of eyes. Uh, <laughs> a bowl of raisins? Well, it's like a lot of raisins. Raisins too. in her porridge. Oh, okay. Yes, I remember now. And then, best of all, a towel. So she has a shower and then puts the towel on and thinks, this is the shroud they will bury me in. She's, for a gentle girl, she's very morbid. She's goth. But under a sheet of white clothing and incredibly white <laughs> things. She's a wannabe goth. I mean, I, maybe that's why I liked the book as a kid, because I was a wannabe goth. And then when I was a bit older, I was a goth. But I was too young Are to... Were you a goth? I mean, a shit goth. Not a good goth. I don't know where the quality <laughs> line lies in Gotham. Like a kind of shitty early 2000s goth. Were you into Marilyn Manson? Uh, yes. Okay, then you were in it, I reckon. Yeah, I was that I wasn't. I wasn't like a kind of cool, cure, crimped hair, velvet skirt goth. I was like a Marilyn Manson goth. But I feel like goths aren't really afraid of these things. No, you're not afraid of them. You lean into it. However, what I find really interesting about Dove, I really like this quote. Like you say, at first you're like, get a grip. And then she kind of gets a bit more interesting because at the end of the first chapter, I like this. So she's also, oh, she's also afraid of things being under the bed, which I understand. I am sometimes afraid of that because I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, which I really shouldn't. Um, So here we go. After she's bought the perfume... It says, and she knew that tonight, at last, there would be something under the bed. No, I feel like 
She wants there to be something under the bed. Mm. She actually wants that. I remember listening to um, a podcast about a serial killer, and it was about women who fall in love with serial killers, which I find really fascinating. And this one woman was being interviewed, and this really sticks in my head so vividly. She was saying that when she was a kid, her mum used to say, oh, be good, or the boogeyman's going to come and get you. And she said, I wanted the boogeyman to come and get me. Because she pictured him as like a sexy guy on a motorbike. And she wanted him to come and get her and take her away. Ooh. And I feel like Dove is like that. She wants something bad to happen. She wants to be taken. She does. Um, we have glossed over the best line <laughs> in the entire book, which comes on page one. And yet, the word venom attracted Dove like gravity. The newspaper seemed to bite her. Like a paper viper. <laughs> I mean, Paper Viper. We should start a band just to call it Paper, Paper Viper. Paper Viper. Fantastic. Just amazing. I'm going to lay it on the line here. I loved this book. Yeah. Genuinely, unironically thought it was really great in a number of ways. Oh, I can't wait to get into it. And you, you like, you can't predict it. Like, a lot of point horrors, you read the first chapter and you're like, I see where this is going. You do not know where the perfume is going. Not at you all. You could not possibly guess. Nope. <laughs> So, we'll rejoin Dove as she's barely remembering where she lives. She eventually does make it home through clarity of mind. Strong girl. Strong girl. Well, she's trapped. So, I wrote this down as well. Where do I live? She thought. Trembling. <laughs> I mean, we've all got lost, but... I have been drunk enough to not remember where I lived and I don't believe I was trembling. No. No. But you're not called Dove. Dove. I am actually called Dove. That's my real name. <laughs> <laughs> So it was the. <laughs> the the Heather Barry. Um, she's not the smartest of girls, perhaps, because she does spill venom everywhere inside her house when she gets in there, which I mm. feel like is not that hard to not spill things. She says, moving her gin and tonic far away from her knees so she can't <laughs> spill it all over the rug. Um, so she inhales quite a lot of venom. 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 And she immediately feels different, strange, oppressed. So we rejoin Dove uh, the next day when she's in ancient history class. I don't know about you, Kirsty. We didn't have ancient history class in high school. No, we didn't have that. We had history. Yeah. And it was mainly kings and queens. Yeah, or the Second World War. Or JFK's assassination. Yeah, yeah. that's all we had. Yeah. They're doing about ancient Egypt. I mean, I would have been into that. We didn't get that at school. I mean, I read about it in my Horrible Histories. Oh, I loved Horrible Histories. They were fantastic. Great TV show now. Yeah. Apparently. I watched an episode. It's actually surprisingly funny. Yes, it is. It's quite a subversive humour. I totally agree. Good for kids. Yeah. Um, I still read Horrible Histories. I mean, I also still read Point Horror, so I'm probably not a great example. You are a tiny child trapped (laughs) in an adult woman's body. I think we've clarified that. Um, (laughs) I'm like... Today I'm going to read some literary theory and postmodernism. Tomorrow, horrible histories. <laughs> Great combination, if you ask me. Um, so in class, she starts asking about people who are born with, for example, two hearts or um, an extra set of eyes or things like this inside her. And then she starts saying to her teacher, can a person have two people inside of them? Can you have two souls inside one body? I wonder why she might be asking these things, hmm. Kirsty Logan. Hmm. She's starting Blood to... <laughs> Bloodline. Bloodline. <laughs> um, so Dove is starting to feel like 
there's a lot of pressure inside of her. There's a lot of like hammering going on in her head. She can't really control how she feels. She's very oppressed in her own physicality. And she talks to her parents about this. Now her parents are career-minded people. Her dad, we're told, can't go a car journey without studying a language. Her mum, very interesting character, wouldn't you say? Her mum is very career-minded and she is a tax accountant mm. for some very, I assume, rich people. Point horror world, everyone is rich, no one wants to pay tax, everyone's high-flying and has a giant house. That's how they buy yellow cigarette boats. Boats <laughs> made out of cigarettes. And giant houses that have swimming pools yeah, and things yeah. like this. And entire beaches. Catch up on the uh, previous episodes <laughs> to see where those references were. <laughs> Um, but it does mean that Dove has been sort of left a little bit. Do you feel like she's bereft? I feel like the level of parental negligence in all of these books is really shocking. It, everything could be avoided if you just watched your kids. Or, like, talk to them occasionally. Like, they never talk to each other. No. Ever. And I understand that teenagers don't necessarily have big heart-to-hearts with their parents, but they don't even, like, pass the time of day with each other. Or chat. Or... No. Anything like this. I feel like if you knew, if you were Dove's parents and you knew her, you could have caught this way earlier on. Yeah. You know? I mean, when things got start to go weird, the response from all the people around her is bizarre, this which is we'll true. get into. This is true. Anyway, Dove gets into a conversation with her parents and her parents reveal to her that when her mother was pregnant, she was actually pregnant with twins. Now, apparently this is quite a common thing, that you can be pregnant with twins and then one can uh, vanish. Is that the word they use? I don't know, Slip slip away. Yeah. Essentially, one becomes the stronger one and then that takes the... um, One becomes the stronger one and then that takes all the nutrients and things like this. So the other one just doesn't go anywhere. Now, Dove was the stronger one there and her parents tell her that they plan to call the other child Wing. Now, I don't think that's a name that you would give a person. I don't think that's a very good idea. It's a bit of a bird. It's not even a full bird. Not only is it a stupid name because it's... Yeah, it's not even the not even the full bird, which I feel like is euphemism also. (laughs) Yes, she's not the full bird. Um... Not only is it not the full bird, it's just a stupid... Like, is it just me that thinks about panty liners? Winged oh pantyliners. yeah, wings. Like with oh. wings. Awful. Just like go albatross, heron, any other type of bird. Could have called them Robin. Robin. Oh, or there you go. Wren. Wren. Cute sparrow, even. Wren is a total Kirsty Logan character name. I know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've called the character Wren. <laughs> but no, they thought we'll give one the name of the full animal, and then the other one we'll just call it a bit, yeah. a bit of an animal. Unsurprisingly, Wing was the one that vanished. Which I'm like, could have guessed that. Yes. By the naming. She was the disappearing twin. Now, um, Dove realises that the two things she's feeling inside herself, one is her and one is Wing. Now, I would say, bit of a logical leap. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I feel ill. I must be also my twin. I find the conversation odd as well because she doesn't say to her parents... Please tell me about the twin I absorbed. She just says, tell me a story. And that's what they lead with. Yeah. I mean, you could have picked something a bit lighter. Like, 
one time we went out on a date and it rained or something like that. Well, like, not when you were a baby, you really liked to sing The Sun Has Got His Hat On. Hmm. No. A Let's child hear about your absorbed... <laughs> got absorbed into you. <laughs> yeah. Or elsewhere. Anyway. Dove realises that Wing has been dormant for 15 years inside of her. And now, because of the perfume, TM, Wing <laughs> has emerged. And she is now fighting for space in Dove's mind. And also, that Wing is evil. Mm-hmm. Of course. Of course. Because why is always evil? To be fair, if you trapped me for 15 years inside someone called Dove, I would probably be quite evil. So this raises an interesting and I feel important issue. Your partner is a twin. Yes. Who's the evil one? James. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other one. That's that the other one. The, yes. Okay. Um, there. Mm, yeah, I find twins very fascinating. I have to say, mm-hmm. um, because they are in a little like they're very distinct people, but also they are kind of closer than other people can be, mm. which is very fascinating, and they do have different strengths and weaknesses so you do think if you put them all together in one person they would be like an ubermensch mm, would they be too big for one person uh i don't know they're not that great <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys sorry guys i love you um what i will say this is where we start with what i think is quite a nuanced discussion of mental health and of what it means to be a teenager mm. which i didn't really think of until uh, just about now <laughs> I'm just going to peel this off. Um, So when they're in class, Dove starts asking about whether you can have two people inside one body and what would happen if you told people that you had another person inside of you. Her teacher says this, if you really did have a second person inside of you, you would receive a mental diagnosis, schizophrenia perhaps. You would be on heavy duty industrial strength medication and very probably live out your unfortunate years in a state institution to which Tommy hopes to send Lawrence. This is two other characters. The class laughed. Oh, said Dove. She decided against describing what was going on inside her skull. The world did not sound sympathetic. Mm. Now, I think that's a really interesting description of how you might feel if you were suffering some sort of mental health crisis. Yeah, that's a good point. That you might say, what if a person was feeling this thing that I'm feeling? And then I think quite often adults don't really want to hear about teenagers' problems. No. Or they think because you're a teenager, you probably haven't got any real problems. Yeah. And I think I relate to this quite heavily because I was a real shithead as a teenager. I was uh, the second child. I was very sort of attention-grabby. Uh, very sort of emotional, very angry a lot of the time. Essentially, I wouldn't like to raise me now. Mm. I don't know if you were the same. No, no, I would hate me as a kid. Yeah, awful. Just awful, terrible. Mm -hmm. Really hated everything and everyone. I used to smash up my room all the time and things like this. Um, So I kind of... I'm very sympathetic Mm. to what Dove's feeling here. And I feel like the whole book is a metaphor for hormonal response. That's a good point. No, that's really interesting because it's quite easy to look at this book and be like, it's fucking batshit, oh my god, a perfume that brings out your evil twin who's maybe kind of an ancient Egyptian evil goddess. It's quite easy to dismiss it like that, but you can read it as a kind of extended metaphor also for mental health. Yes, Um, and I do. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Dove 
realizes that she now has Dove and Wing inside of her. And Wing is the kind of strength, has the kind of strength you have when you've been contained for a long time you're very frustrated so Mm. she's not only is she pure evil she wants to come out she wants to make her presence felt so wing and dove are struggling for control of dove's body it's again very see think about that in a teenage sense Mm -hmm. your body's changing you feel like bits aren't really yours and you're stretching and things are bulging out and leaking and yeah. budding and... and also like if you think about what the two personalities are like so we've got dove who's like quite childlike passive yeah like very passive very kind of pastel and sweet and doesn't ever raise her voice or anything and then we have wing who does things like she gets home and like she drinks a cherry coke and she puts mtv on and she does like a sexy dance and she really craves excitement she doesn't care if people like her and I feel like for a lot of teenage girls in particular, you do feel that pull between, you know, you want to be like in control of your sex, of your sexuality and you want to not give a fuck if people like you or not. You don't want to be nice all the time and try and be friends with everybody. You want to just do what you want to do. But then you're pulled in the other direction of being bland and sweet and smiling and blah, blah, blah. Nice and passive and accepting yeah. the things that are pushed onto you and fitting in and not rocking the boat. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a thing that girls are... Maybe not even explicitly told, but implicitly told in a lot of the time. Yeah. But Wing won't do that. No, and I think a lot of that is in the pop culture. Like, you know, we're saying, like, Wing is evil. And I think a lot of the, like, pop culture, particularly in the 90s, actually, 80s and 90s, the kind of women who were really in control of their sexualities were labelled as, like, you're a bitch, you're a man-hater, you're a ball-buster. And that was quite scary. And so it's like, if you step a foot out of line, everyone would be like, she's a bitch, she hates men, she's this, she's that. So then you kind of run back to your pastels and your sweet smiles and everything. Mm-hmm. Good point. See, immediately I'm thinking Grace Jones for some yeah. reason. You know, very, very, oh, Madonna. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm a huge fan of Madonna, but you know what I mean? She's very, she had a lot of sexual agency mm-hmm. and she couldn't be like defined. And then she was thought of as quite masculine mm-hmm. because of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Interesting. Mm. So um, another thing that makes me think it's about teenagehood is that Wing spills the perfume around their teacher, but the teacher has it has no effect on him. Oh yeah, because he does not have an evil twin, uh, an oppressed twin inside of him, because he is not being forced to repress, repress part of himself, anything at all. Mm. Um, the boy Dove likes um, invites her hot air ballooning, <laughs> because that's the thing that teenagers do. Can we please talk about this? Can we please talk about why a hot air balloon festival? Is a thing. Have you ever in your entire life seen a hot air balloon festival? We go every weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Have you not been? We're in a hot air balloon (laughs) right right now. now. (laughs) That's just like, see if someone said, do you want to go on a date? You might be like, dinner, film, maybe skating, maybe Mm. to the park. Hot air balloon festival wouldn't be the obvious choice. Festival is just such an odd choice of like word. How many for that is as well. that? How many hot air balloons is that? I don't want to go up very high with someone I don't know very well. I don't want to go up high at all. You see, I quite like heights, but I don't want to go up there with a total stranger. Yeah, I know what you mean. See, I used to be okay with heights. I used to love roller coasters when I was a teenager and even in my twenties. And then <laughs> quite recently my wife and I went to a theme park um in Copenhagen and I realised I was afraid of heights, but I didn't realise that until I had just got on a really high, fast ride, and I was at the top of the thing, and I suddenly thought, 
oh my God, I don't like this. I'm really afraid. I think I'm going to die. What did you do? <laughs> Just, what can you do? Held on really tight and went, it'll be over soon. And I fucking hated it. Hated it so much. Really? And then we went on these, like a, you know, like a chairplane, a chair swing kind of ride. I've never heard the phrase chairplane. Chair <laughs> right? Is that what it's called? Fantastic. Chairplane. It is so, now. It was like a chairplane, which is a kid's ride, but it went up. It was like 80 meters. It was so high. It's like the highest one in the world. Wow. So, so, so high. The one at Tivoli Gardens. And, uh, but, and of course it's a thing, you're just in a little tiny metal seat with just one little bar across your lap and all you've got is four chains holding you onto the thing and then it's like the height of a skyscraper, so high. And like Annie's next to me being like, oh my god, this is amazing, look, there's a bridge, oh look at the building and I'm just holding onto the chains being like, nope, nope, not looking, I can't look, go away, I'm not looking down, go away, it'll be over soon, hopefully I won't die. And um, yeah, I went on a bunch of rides actually, because I was like, I am an adult woman, I cannot be scared of heights. And also, funfair accidents are incredibly rare. So I would probably have been more likely to have died in the car on the way to the airport. Although I will say, if you want to be genuinely and uh, accurately terrified, you should go to Pleasure Island in Blackpool. (laughs) Have you ever been there? <laughs> Maybe as a kid. Because the rides are so old that they don't really have adequate safety safety equipment. And you go on something like the Big Dipper, which isn't very high, but it is made of wood and from about 1954. <laughs> so the the genuine fear you feel is totally relevant. You know what I mean? Like you feel it all rickety. Yeah, you're just like, I could die in a second here. We don't even have to be up high. I'm yeah. just on the precipice of death all this time. Yeah, but maybe when you're a teenager, you quite like that. I do. I see. I do like roller coasters. I'm not very scared of heights. See, I don't mind. I, lo- I love a roller coaster, but I yeah. don't like you know, like the ones that flip you upside down. And you're like, like we went on one. You know, it's like a big tall tower, and it, you sit on it in a ring around and it, it, and then it goes all the way up, and then you drop down. Yeah. And I hated it. Absolutely hated it. But I like a roller coaster, but not a kind of flippy upside down, high up in the sky, probably going to die one. Have you been skydiving? <laughs> no. Are you kidding? I don't. I would think rather you die. Would like it. <laughs> I don't want to skydive. I don't want to bungee jump. We're not meant to go up high. We haven't got wings. Ah, oh, around. Very well, you know who <laughs> has got a wing. I actually didn't mean to do that, but Dove's got a wing, <laughs> and she is up high with Timmy, who she's really that into. She is a pie. <laughs> she is a pie. <laughs> she is a pie. Forty blackbirds in a pie. <laughs> Uh, the human girl, Dove <laughs> slash Wing, they, um, they're in a hot air balloon with their sub, uh, object of their affections, Timmy. I'm just going to cut to the chase. Wing tries to throw him off. But, to be fair, Timmy's not very appealing. No, he's kind of, again, bland. He's called Timmy. Why isn't he called Tim? He's not five. Which you, to me, I immediately think mallet. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh. I think Timmy from South Park. Oh, we see both of the death Neither's of sex. Neither's great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Neither's like, yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm, Timmy Mallet. Also, mm. she does describe him as ugly. Does she? Yeah. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. I d- maybe I don't want him to be ugly. But she does say he's ugly. Yeah. So he's ugly and he's called Timmy. And she tries to kill him unsuccessfully <laughs> because Dove has the fortitude to take over and grab him. Okay. And then Timmy's, understandably, not that into spending that much time with Dove. Fair play. Yeah, fair enough. I feel like if he was a girl in a point horror book, it wouldn't bother him. He'd, he'd be like, oh my god. Yeah. She tried to throw me off. She must really like me. The girls <laughs> in these quite like it when 
guys try and kill them for some reason. Yeah, or it's disturbing. I was going to say toss them off, but I will not <laughs> say that. <laughs> Read that back in. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back. <laughs> Pedal. Uh, so as well as alienating Timmy, Mallet, uh, Wing also manages to alienate Dove's friends and starts hanging around with a class bitch, Hester. Hester. Now, I felt personally attacked. Because <laughs> that is quite close to my name. I think, isn't, isn't that not a Greek name, though? Oh, is it? Like an ancient Greek name. Ah, makes sense. Like, isn't Hester the goddess of home and hearth? I just think Blumenthal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not the same name, but there you go. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, it's a it's an unusual choice. I feel like in the 80s and 90s, there weren't a ton of kids called Hester. Neither were there a ton called Dove. Well, <laughs> throwing mm, it out mm, there. That's true. That's very true. So anyway, if you are called Dove or Hester, not Hester, 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 get in touch. Please, please get in touch. We would love <laughs> to hear from you. Yeah. So um, Wing slash Dove um, end up spending a little bit of time with Hester because Connie and Luce, being nice girls, don't want to spend time with Dove slash Wing when it's Wing. Because they, they're just horrible people. Mm. Person? They are a horrible person. Ooh, tough. Mm. Plural, plural, singular. There, there we go. go. Okay. Um, and then Dove, as Wing, tries to grab the steering wheel and plunge Hester off the road. However, when Dove speaks to Wing, everyone can hear because it is a girl speaking to herself. So we get conversations like, I'm going to plough this car off the road. No, please don't. Oh, I'm going to. I don't think you should. And everyone can hear. Which, when you think about it as an objective viewer, is pretty nuts. It's quite disturbing. Yeah. And I feel like she does quite a lot of things which I feel like if you started doing them, I would be like, Heather's really going through some shit. We need to do something about this. And I would speak to David and like... I I feel like I would be committed. Yeah. Well, you would be. Quite quickly. You would be because you would obviously be really struggling with something. So for example, I've got a list of things (laughs) that she starts to do. So she hits herself in the head. Often. Often, she hits herself in the head several times. She knots her fingers to keep herself from pulling out her hair. She wants to bash her head off the wall. She stops brushing her teeth. She, as you said, constantly talks to herself. She she goes to the front of the class to wave perfume at the teacher. (laughs) She carries her bag on her head because she thinks her head is going to come off. And nobody really does anything about this until quite far through the book. Also, (laughs) this is my favourite, her teacher, who's observed all of this, suggests that she have an aspirin and a lie down. A rest. Really, sir? Really? Rest cures everything. Just because we're Victorians and we've got wandering wombs and we just need to go and have a little lie down (laughs) to cure our hysteria. I mean, this girl needs some help. And she does eventually get it. Mm -hmm. Well... Help kind of. in inverted commas. Yeah. Eventually, Dove is handed over to the school psychologist, who is a horrible person. Although um, the person does reference Jekyll and Hyde, which I quite liked. Mm. I, I do like a literary reference mm-hmm. in another book sort of thing. However, someone says it hasn't stood up to time, and I'm like, you know what? It really has. I think it has. I think you probably can't do much better than that book. Just saying. I know. And it's a novella, which is nice as well. I feel like it's harder to critique a novella because it's usually so tightly plotted and yeah, doesn't it's not baggy. I always remember the line about Mr. Hyde um, 
even though he's quite a small man, he's quite a dense man, and he walks over a child like a juggernaut. Mm. And that has always stuck with me, that one line. So I think that sort of, it, it has stood the test of time. Caroline B. Cooney. I'm not agreeing with you at this point. <laughs> no. I'm sorry, Caroline B. Cooney. I love this book, but... You're wrong about it. It's not Jacqueline Hyde. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you were from Scotland, maybe you would like him a bit more. Maybe. Just saying. Anyway... The psychologist is very interested in observing Dove, not so much as a person, but as a case study, which, again, is quite a nuanced point about the American or slash global healthcare system. And the psychologist gives Dove an injection and she wakes up in a mental health institution, which I'm going to say is quite an escalation of plot. Yeah, it's like, do nothing, do nothing, do nothing. Oh, committed. And then they let her out. Yeah. Because Wing decides to take a back seat. Wing has got a game plan. Wing is going to let Dove get out, and then Wing is going to emerge and do her bidding. I see. So Dove gets out a week later. Mm, <laughs> totally okay. fine. Okay. Um, and by this time, Dove has realized that Wing is or has been conjured by an ancient Egyptian spirit. Like you do. Of course. Of course. Why wouldn't she have been? That's always my second thought. Yeah. Am I tired? Am I hungry? Oh, ancient Egyptian, Egyptian spirit. spirit. Okay. There you go, yeah. I Was I a bitch to that person? It was my ancient Egyptian spirit twin nice. who's been hidden for 15 years. That's, nice. that's, my, that's my excuse. That's what I put on the apology cards when I've been in real dick. So, so wait. It wasn't so me, it was Wing. If you're Heather, what is, a, what is your partial twin? Branch? Twig? Branch. Flower? Oh. Oh. Like if you think of like a Heather bush. <laughs> <laughs> I'd prefer us not to, to be honest with you. <laughs> a heather plant? A heather bush? <laughs> maybe gorse is my uh, alternative. Yeah, maybe. What's Kirsty's? I mean, what's a Kirsty? Yeah, what is a Kirsty? Nothing. Helen? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I can't think of another one. Just, that's just a separate person. <laughs> oh, Jane. Must be Jane. Jane. Jane, Becky. of course, obviously. Yeah, oh, Becky. Oh, <laughs> Becky's the worst. Anyway, Wing pledges to take over Dove's body for good. <gasps> Duff, what will you do? Mm. Now, I'm going to say that this book is fairly anticlimactic yeah. in terms of plot. Because Wing, having isolated Dove from her friends and from her the object of her affections, is only really left with Hester, who is obviously evil because of her name. She is a real bitch as well, I will say. She's yeah. just like a real nasty piece of work. Um, and she becomes determined to kill Luce but then ends up at the mall with Hester. Yeah, I don't really... Understand. Going back to dry ice, which is no longer there. Oh. But there is a perfume store selling perfumes that smell like lilacs. and They smell like old ladies. They smell like old ladies. And the smell of old ladies <laughs> allows Dove back into her body to give her enough control to <laughs> that she's at the mall and she throws herself into the fountain yeah. and starts praying to the Egyptian gods. So I feel like this isn't the point where your um, symbolism kind of falls apart. Because I was with you that, you know, it's about mental health and it's about how teenage girls are pulled in two directions. What does a fucking lilac hanky and jumping into a fountain represent? Mm, Good question. (laughs) This is where it falls apart a bit. The image system is weakest at this point, I will admit. Yeah, I think she maybe didn't know where to go plot-wise at this point. Really wrote herself into a corner. 
Yeah. However, We've all done it, you know. However, she does implore the ancient Egyptian spirit to take back wing. Mm-hmm. And really, what is, what is this doing? This is a teenage girl deciding to be a better person. Deciding mm. to not let her negative, horrible side be in control of her. Okay. So she... I mean, I just realised how problematic that is by implying that people who are mentally ill can just sort of decide to be mm. better, which is not the case. And also all. that we're deciding that Dove was preferable. Little soft, mushy, mushy hopeless... Yeah. Like, I feel like surely a better ending would have been her merging the two identities and being like, well, maybe I can be, you know, maybe not murderous, but I can be, like, sexy and in control, but I can also be soft and gentle sometimes. You see, I did get that a little bit, because I don't think Wayne goes away entirely. I think there's a little bit of her still in Dove. Mm -hmm. But I think she learns to live with that, learns to live with that darkness and bitchiness. Mm -hmm. And then she goes on. And in what is quite a non-point horror ending, um, Dove who is now in control of her body again, faces her isolation and the fact that she doesn't really have any friends. But then Luce reaches out the hand of friendship to her, mm. despite everything she's done to her and everything she's been through. And the book ends with them having the start of a friendship again. Which is really out of type. Yeah, which is pretty cool, actually, because mostly they end with, like, oh, look, I managed to get together with this really awful boy that I have a crush on for some reason. Beige boy. Beige boy. But this one's more about the friendship. Yes, and um, her gaining agency over her mind and body again. Mm-hmm. So, I really like <laughs> what she's done here. Mm. In terms of the mental health thing, um, I think there's also a really interesting point about the US medical industry. Mm. Because she does say that um, the reason she got kicked out of the mental health facility is that the insurance wouldn't pay out. Oh, yeah. So, essentially, a very, very vulnerable teenage girl gets kicked out of a place where she would be receiving treatment because the insurance company won't pay. Mm. And I think that's quite... I mean, given that all the people in Point Horror live in a very privileged world, very white, straight, thin world. And they they never really think about money. No, no one ever has to worry about money, and they throw money away all the time, and they get to drive their dad's new cars, and their dad's buy them diamonds and things like this. That's quite a radical point, wouldn't you say? Mm. I think this is the most radical thing. I've ever read in a point horror book. I thought you were just going to end it there. It's the most radical, most radical thing, thing I have ever read. <laughs> Full stop. I only read point horror books, <laughs> so that is true. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think there's... I don't know if it quite all comes together at the end, but I think it raises quite a lot of interesting points. And it is really thematically consistent mm-hmm. up until the end. And I really like it when books don't pit women against each other, to be honest with you, because it's the cheapest, easiest thing to do to just make jealous, bitchy girls hate each other. Yeah, and actually in the books in the previous two episodes, the girls did kind of compete for boys. Yeah. Whereas in this one, they don't compete for boys. And the lone male adult who's not a parent figure is actually quite a nice guy. The teacher. Because mm. they end up, at the end, he ends up um, helping her. Yeah. And talking about That's history true. and things like that with her. That's true. And, I will say as well, there is quite a nuanced point where um, the psychologist is saying that if a child doesn't have attentive parents, sometimes their imagination can take over and the mum says, you can't blame this on my job. Now. Uh, I feel like we can blame them a bit. I mean, they are rubbish. But you can't parents. blame her more than him. No, you can, you can blame them both. You can blame them both for being kind of ne- negligent, but you can't blame the mum 
any more than the dad because no. they both have careers and they're both equal parents. And yet the implication is that it's the mother's fault for not being more of a mother. Yeah, that's a good point as well. Which I think, you know, hashtag feminist point. Mm. You don't get many in point horror and I thought that was one. That's a good point. Mm. Although mm, I still don't think they're a good parent. Like at one point her mum says to her, <laughs> she says, Oh, Dovey, don't be a dumbo. Oh, yeah, they do Which talk like, about her as if she's ouch. stupid, yeah. I don't feel like my mum would say that to me. Also, stop naming your child after animals. <laughs> Even Dumbo's an elephant. <laughs> stop it. She's yeah. a human. I do, yeah, they're not great. But also, like you say, you can't blame one parent. And not the like, other. Like, it takes two people to make a baby, so. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it is quite good that Wing is the sort of bitchy undertone and like says the things to her parents that mm. Dove kind of wants to say like dad you tell yourself that you can speak these languages but you can only speak 10 words of Japanese which ooh cut me deep I know That's and her saying gosh. like you're never going to go to these places anyway yeah oof oof dark I mean maybe they needed to be said a bit maybe not maybe. that specifically but they've got they hardly talk about anything so um, yeah, I do feel like that comes through. That's obviously thematically a thing that, like, Wing lets her say the things that she wants to say. Yes. Which is uh, quite great to read in a teen novel. Even mm. though that person is literally evil. Well, yeah. She goes a bit too far. Yes. But she was necessary. And I will say there aren't any... Well, maybe there are a couple, but there aren't any cheap jump scares that go nowhere in this. Yeah. The tension does actually quite build quite a lot. And the end is a little bit anticlimactic, but I still felt it was satisfying. Yeah. What did you think overall? I think it's actually a good book. I think it's actually a good book as well. Yeah. But we'll I... come to that in our scores. Um, but yeah, I think it doesn't feel as like cheap as some of the point horrors do. No. doesn't feel like phoned in. Like, I feel like she sat down and thought about it. Yeah, like, whether, whether you like the book or not, at least she's trying to do something. She's doing something a bit different. Like, none of the other point horrors would get confused with this one. Whereas the previous ones that we did, um, The Lifeguard and The Witness, I kept mixing them up in my head, which yeah. one was which. Whereas I don't think you would mix this one up with any of the others. And you're not going to confuse Dove Daniel with any other point horror character, <laughs> are you? No. Which is good. Even Luce and Connie have actual personalities, which isn't Mm. that common for side characters. Yeah, and they're not as dumb as a lot of the characters tend to be. And um, Timmy, the boy she likes, isn't a douchebag. No. Or an idiot. Or a murderer. Which is, again, probably a first for my horror. (laughs) The only choices. He's just a boy. He's not really meatloaf or other. Oh, no. (laughs) We have to make a third category. (laughs) Meatloaf, other, or actual person. Or non. Non. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awful. Who are you? I'm non. I'm non. So <laughs> we've touched a bit on the, the names, but the, I have to highlight another name, which is a place that she mentions going to, which is called Slick Lake, oh. which makes me feel sick. Oh, God. Slick Lake. What? Oh, what goes on there? Sounds like an oil spill. Don't go there. Don't go to Slick oh, Lake. No. It's awful. Horrible. It's horrible. Don't oh. go there. Um, okay, so 90s things. I noticed that her mum has got a phone and a fax machine in the car. <gasps> fax machine? I didn't know that existed. In the car? A fax machine in the car. I don't really understand that technology. I'm just realising, how does that work? I don't know. Because it was over a phone, wasn't it? Maybe so... it's not real. Maybe it's only real in this book. Yeah. I don't... I certainly never had one. Oh my god, I want one now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to buy a car. Do you know, my bank, not that long ago, a couple of years ago... 
ask me to fax something to them. Oh, and I no. was like, what? where do you even get a fax machine? <laughs> do you think I've got one at home? Oh Why have word. you got one? <laughs> when I moved to Canada what? in 2008, they didn't have chip and pin. They had, you start to sign for everything. And I was like, wow. kind of personally offended by that. On the machine that goes, yeah, you go straight over it and make yeah. like a rubbing of the credit card. Like a brass rubbing. No. Can you pay in a penny farthing? No. Come on. Ridiculous. I think a penny farthing's a it's bike. It's a bike. Yeah, I know. I thought you were going to let me get away with no. that. But there I we thought go. you were going to say a shilling. Throwing tapney. No. <laughs> okay, so American things. Um, number one was a condominium, which I remember thinking was funny as a kid because it sounds, it like, sounds condom. like condom. Yeah. Oh, how we were. <laughs> like a house of condoms. What's the difference between a condo and an apartment? Bigger? I don't know what a condominium is. No, I think I might have lived in one and I still don't know. I mean, what's the difference between an apartment and a flat? Nothing. It's just what country you're in. Yeah, true. I don't know. Hmm. But no, weirdly, I think of a flat as like, like a kind of old fashioned, like a tenement type. Thing. Whereas I think of a an apartment as being like a modern kind of s- very small, like small windows, low ceilings, like a very modern built. I think that's just in your head. No, it is. Okay. And a condominium is made out of condoms. Oh yeah, the worst house. No good in a high wind. Good in rain though. Oh, Kirsty Logan, we've gone there. Moving on. Uh, let's discuss the fashion. There is so much good fashion in this book. So I wrote some down. So we've got, this is what you can wear. You have to choose what you want. So you can have a denim shirt with gleaming silver buttons worn open over hot pink and orange t-shirt. Or you can have a black knit pullover with a black cotton shirt over it and black jeans. And there we're back to meatloaf. Yeah. Or you've got a third choice, which is, picture this in your head. A black shirt with silver threads, tight at the wrist and baggy at the elbows, with black calf-length trousers, black lace stockings and black sneakers with scarlet jewels. Uh, Is this person adamant? I mean, I feel like yes. I also feel like when I first read this book when I was about 12, I probably thought that was the coolest fucking outfit Stockings you could imagine. under calf-length trousers. Yes. And also... Yeah. And like a pullover with a shirt over it. A tight shirt that's loose at the elbows. <laughs> like No, the... tight at the wrist and baggy at the elbows. So like a pirate shirt. Have you seen the episode of Seinfeld where he gets coerced into wearing a pirate shirt on tv no oh that's the shirt has he got exactly the shirt that they're talking about has he got black sneakers with red jewels on them scarlet jewels oh probably knowing seinfeld yeah Uh, well what one do you want (laughs) i don't want any of those (laughs) no thank you (laughs) no one is again a little bit meatloafy yeah they're all a bit meatloafy yeah Okay, well, that's the fashion choices. Um, so now we're on to our point horror top trumps. <laughs> Do we have a too stupid to live heroine? 
I don't think she's stupid, actually. I don't think so at all. I actually really like her mm. as a character. I think she is strong. I don't know if I could fight off a ancient Egyptian evil twin from inside my own head. So I have a lot of respect mm. for her there. That's a good point. Yeah. She doesn't do anything stupid, either. Apart from kind of falling over a bit and knocking over some perfume. Yeah, but fair enough. She doesn't run up the stairs when the murderer's running after her, you know what I mean? No, and she actually has emotional responses to things, because I feel like in a lot of these books, they have like they go really, really over the top yeah. when a small thing happens. They're like, oh my god, I fell over, oh my god, a spider, oh god, I can't handle it. And then, you know, someone's murdered and they're like, eh, That's get over it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I mean, she's a bit high-strung at the beginning when she says about the parking lot is doom. Come on now. We were all that dramatic. <laughs> Especially you. Well, I imagine. Yeah. No, I definitely was an overdramatic teenager. As was I. I don't know if I would have said a parking lot was doom, but I do remember saying lots of very stupid over-the-top things. I used to lie on the floor of my darkened room listening to um, Massive Attack's Teardrop. Oh, yeah. yeah. And crying. With candles lit yeah, around yeah. the bedroom. Definitely. And I should say, I had painted my bedroom dark red. I painted mine black. Ooh, that's worse. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Apparently it took about five coats of paint to even cover the red, so the black must have been awful. Yeah, But they just sell the house. Well, I repainted it because I got a little bit older and I was like, I don't want a black bedroom anymore. So I repainted it, but it did take quite a few coats. You sleep really well because yeah. it's very dark. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Hmm. Uh, do we have a sexy bad boy sociopath? No. I'm actually going to suggest that dry ice is the lost object. Oh, continue. Just, it's quite sexualized, I think. It's like this mysterious place and you go into it and it like... Clings, clings to, to your you skin. Makes you moist. <gasps> oh my god. Oh my literally word. makes you moist. Oh my god. Caroline. I know. <gasps> Saucy, isn't it? Who knew? So I'm going to suggest, because like Timmy, I mean, he really likes hot air balloons. Too much. He's not sexy. He, he no. can't be sexy if he's called Timmy. Maybe Tim. Tim can be sexy. Timmy, no. 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 Sorry. Sorry if you're called Timmy. Maybe Sorry, try mate. Tim instead. Yeah. Or T. <laughs> Even Timothy. Timothy's better. Is better. Yeah, for sure. And just yeah. don't go in a hot air balloon. No, it's a bad combo. No. It's not good. Um, also, Death Toll. I mean, maybe Wing. Mm, but, but I don't know really. even if Wing dies. So it's, it's zero. Zero. Which zero is, Death Toll. I mean, let's note that because I don't think there are going to be that many. No, a couple of attempts. Yes. Yeah, mm, but no successes. No. Um, is it good though? So, I think it's weird. It's overwritten. It's melodramatic. All things I love. Um, it was always my favourite when I was a kid. Um, and I still love it now. I really enjoyed it. To the extent that I started reading it, went around the corner to get a slice of cake, put a coffee on, and enjoyed that as my Friday afternoon end of the work week treat because I thought it was that good. Mm -hmm. I really, really enjoyed it. I think it's actually good. And I think it's making nuanced points. Mm-hmm. Which you cannot say for the lifeguard, for instance, or <laughs> many of the books that we're going to talk about on this series. Yes. It's not phoned in. No, you cannot say she has phoned this in. She's trying to do a thing. I mean, people may disagree on whether it achieves the thing, 
but it's definitely trying. Or whether, in fact, the thing that she's doing should be done. (laughs) (laughs) Can you? Should you? Mm, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, Is it good, bad? Uh, yeah. I also think it's good, good, bad. and good, bad? I know. The conundrum. But it is. It is both. You can, like, read it as, like, a hate read, silly read, let's chalk up all the ridiculous things in here, but you can also read it as an actual good book. I think that's because you can read it as a story written, or you can read it as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. That's why. Yeah, the story as written is nuts. is good, bad. Yes. The story as metaphor is actually good. Very, very good. And I will say, I think it's got a lot of good writing in it. Mm. If yeah. someone, if, if my little cousin gave me this and said, I want to write books like this, I would not be hugely offended. See, I feel like, so I read this as a teenager and I really loved it. And I do genuinely, not even kidding, feel like it's had quite a big impact on how I write now. And a lot of people remember it, yeah. as we found on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, all your books are like perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you've got some of your naming techniques from Caroline Bikuni. Yeah, probably. <laughs> She's got some great names. I can't wait to do more Caroline Bikuni. I can't wait to write the new Point Horror books oh that we're God. going to write. I can't wait. It's going to be like the highlight of my entire life. It's going to be amazing. So, Kirsty, what is the next book that we are going to be covering? Oh, we haven't scored. What, oh, what score do we want to give it as a good book? I'm going to give it five. I like gave... in Point Horror Scale. Uh, oh, mm, Point Horror Scale, five out of five. Mm-hmm. On Goodreads, I gave it four. Okay, that's fair. Yes. Good, bad, the I'm same. Yeah, 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 the same, yeah. Read this book. Yeah. In fact, if someone said to me, I want to read a point horror book, where should I start? I would probably say this one so far. Yeah. Because it's actually good. Yeah, it is really fun and enjoyable. Mm. and Just do it. It's a good one. Go for it. Um, okay, so next time, we are going to be talking about Teacher's Pet by Richie Tankersley Cusick, uh, which is set at a writing retreat. And we really enjoyed that because we're both writers. So we get to talk about how accurately or not accurately it portrays the writer's life it was like a diary for my writing <laughs> retreat it couldn't have been more accurate <laughs> yep oh, i'm basically so excited. in it i'm so excited yeah, so, about good, that so good um so if you'd like to grab a copy of that and read along with us and then tune in next time um if you have enjoyed us so far please subscribe and review um and also you can catch us on social media you can catch us at um at Teenage Scream underscore on Twitter and on Instagram we're Teenage Scream Pod. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.